ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. We are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99, at AmberW790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. Keith in Arizona, Scott in Virginia, hang on for us. We will get to your calls coming up. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So, Chris, tons of breaking news in the NFL. This has not been a boring week by any stretch of the imagination. The NFL offseason is proving to be as fun as the NBA offseason normally is for us, particularly when it comes to all of these quarterback moves. Carson Wentz, he is now a Washington commander. In return, the Colts get basically what boils down to a couple third rounders, one of which could become a second rounder. So let's go out to Indy. We bring in Mike Wells, ESPN Colts reporter. And Mike, let's just start with your general reaction when you heard the news here that they were trading away Carson Wentz. Well, well, Amber, I I think it's been pretty obvious that that the writing was on the wall for Carson Wentz. And this was before Chris Ballard's season-ending press conference in January, the Colts simply had to win two games. I mean, excuse me, they had to, simply had to win one of the final two games of the regular season to make the playoffs. They lost at home to the Las Vegas Raiders and then to the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in Week 18. And at some point, you knew teams were going to take Jonathan Taylor away, and that just meant uh, Carson Wentz was going to have to win a football game for the Colts for the first time in his first time all season. And Wentz failed to do it. And based off what I was told, that was kind of the Colts were already hesitant on Wentz going forward. That essentially sealed his deal in Indianapolis when he was his inability to lead the Colts to the playoffs by winning one of the final two games. And then when you have your owner, general manager, and head coach, and none of them would publicly come out and say Carson Wentz will be our starting quarterback in 2022, that should have told Wentz and his family to start grabbing, you know, start calling U-Haul to load up the boxes because <laughs> his days in Indianapolis were numbered when nobody would come out and publicly say he would be that guy. Because if he was that guy, there would have, it would have been no issue at all. But that right there, the breadcrumbs were dropping the same time it was up on Carson Wentz after just one year here in Indianapolis. So, Mike, now we're talking about the Indianapolis Colts being on their fifth starting quarterback in as many seasons. We saw Darius Leonard take to Twitter and say, here we go again when it comes to the quarterback carousel the Colts have been going through. And so I referenced the Chris Ballard tweet or quote back in January where he said that he's tired of band-aiding it when it comes to the quarterback position. He wants to find a solution, a guy that can be there for the next 10 to 12 years. So with that being said, where do the Colts turn their attention in trying to fill that void for their starting quarterback this offseason? Well, first off, Chris, I'm about to add some more salt to the wound on this. That was just five quarterbacks in a five. And Darius, this will be the fifth quarterback Darius Leonard's five years in the NFL. It's actually about to be the sixth one because they had Scott Tolzien as a starting quarterback in 2017 before Darius entered the NFL. So you think about this. This franchise, they were, they were spoiled for nearly 20 years with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And all of a sudden now they're about to go to the sixth different starting quarterback in as, as many years. This is a horrible, horrible offseason to be trying to find a new starting quarterback. And I think the Washington Commanders proved that when they traded for Carson Wentz. The market is not very good. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is probably the biggest free agent out there. 
as far as uh, from a free agent standpoint. The Colts don't have a first-round pick. Philly's laughing at them over that, over the Wentz deal. Now they're going to have a couple second-round picks to do things, but it's not a deep quarterback draft. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be a candidate the Colts talk about. But my question is, has Jimmy Garoppolo has been just a piece to get the San Francisco 49ers deep in the playoffs. But where has he won a game yet? So is this going to be another one of those, okay, uh, uh, quote-unquote band-aid short-term guys until the Colts can find it? So props to Chris Ballard for trading Carson Wentz and realizing that he basically, you know, fumbled the ball and acquiring him in the first place. But it's anybody's guess on who, who the next starting quarterback is because I don't see any franchise quarterbacks out there available on the market. Mike Wells, ESPN Colts reporter, on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. So, Mike, Chris and I have a working theory. I'm going to run it by you, see what your reaction here is. I have heard rumblings here, and by heard them, I mean I've seen some people tweet, that Chris Ballard wanted to draft Jordan Love. And so does he possibly react to the Aaron Rodgers staying news, immediately trade away Carson Wentz, and now maybe go after Jordan Love, which would probably cost him something like a third rounder if Jordan Love was originally a first rounder on his board? That that would be a great that would, that would be a great thing if the Colts did did do that from the get go. They weren't going to take Jordan Love in the first round of the draft several years ago, but you might as well with Aaron Rodgers getting that, that hefty contract for, you know, what four, you know, reportedly potentially for four years, it would be a good time for the, for Chris Ballard to pick it up because you can roll the dice to see if Jordan Love is that guy, if he could be that franchise guy to do it, because you might as well, you might as well, if it doesn't work out, you get a high first round pick next year. You got a chance to get back in the mix of trying to find that guy. Uh, but essentially what the Colts are doing now, they're, they're going to be rolling the dice this off season on whoever, their starting quarterback is going to be. Last year, they thought Frank Reich fix Wentz. Two years ago, it was Phillip Rivers who came in and, you know, he was that Band-Aid guy for one year to get them back to the playoffs. So uh, I think everything is on the table when it comes to the Colts and trying to see who their quarterback is going to be. Because internally, they have just Sam Ellinger out of Texas and James Morgan on the roster. Neither one of those two quarterbacks have started a game in their NFL careers. So, they have all these pieces in Jonathan Taylor and, and Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner, but we all know that in order to win, you have to have a quarterback that can take over a game, especially in the AFC with so much young talent still in their prime right now. Talking with ESPN Colts reporter Mike Wells on ESPN Radio. And, Mike, the Colts skyrocket to the top of the league when it comes to available cap space, nearly $70 million. The new league year and free agency scheduled to start mid-next week. Who are going to be some of the top targets that Chris Ballard and Frank Wright go after? They have to find – they have to get some wide receivers for whoever's going to be a quarterback. I mean, I went, you know, Allen Robinson will be one of those guys. He'll probably, you know, take take a look at Amari Cooper could be out on the market out there. So they have to get some skill position players. Jack Doyle just retired um, earlier this week after having, a, you know, a very solid NFL career. So they have to address wide receiver. They also have to get a tight end. And Eric Fisher, as Adam Schefter reported earlier today, a left tackle likely will not be back with the Colts. So they have to find a left tackle to protect the quarterback. $70 million. But if you look at the Colts' history of free agents, they don't go out and make that big splash. Chris Ballard is one of those dollar general, you know, thrifty shoppers. He likes to get through that first wave. He might have to buck that trend this year and spend some top dollars if the Colts expect to, you know, be in the mix. Because I'm not sure if you guys recall, but Jim Irsay, the owner, has said he wants them in multiple Super Bowls this decade. The mm-hmm. clock is ticking on that. And before thinking about winning one Super Bowl, the Colts shouldn't even be thinking about, you know, uh, 
they should be thinking more about simply getting to the playoffs. This franchise has been to the playoffs just twice since they got to the AFC Championship game way back in 2014. So forget multiple Super Bowls. How about simply getting to the playoffs and pushing the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South? That does feel like the first thing that they need to focus on. Mike Wells, ESPN Colts reporter. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. All right, y'all have a good one now. So we move on to other potential NFL news. There's still quarterbacks to be had. There's still a carousel out there, right? Is Daniel Jones going to fall victim to that carousel? Maybe Mitchell Trubisky will be the starting quarterback for the Giants instead. We'll talk to a former Giant and Chris Canty. That's next here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get to this potential Mitchell Trubisky to Canty's New York Giants uh, conversation in uh, just a moment. Don't you worry. Uh, We're going to get there. Don't make me throw Canty. up. Stop saying that, Amber. But first, we have been talking, of course, about this Carson Wentz trade. He is now a Washington commander, and we asked the question, is Carson Wentz now the second-best quarterback in the NFC East behind Dak Prescott? Keith in Arizona, you've got thoughts. What's up, Keith? How are you guys doing today? We're good, Keith. I, you know, honestly, first I got two things. First, I don't see how you could put Carson Wentz number two um, talent-wise, is there. It's always been there. But the biggest problem with Carson Wentz that Jalen Hurts has over him is mental. Carson Wentz now is going to go to a place, and I guarantee you he's going to look at Taylor Heineke as the next Nick Foles. He's worried, and that's going to mess with his mind. And, Chris, I got to tell you, I called you before the Super Bowl about a Super Bowl party. My family started a position a, a, a petition to make Monday after the Super Bowl a holiday, and we are going to see that through, my friend. There we go, Keith. I'm right there with you, man. It absolutely should be a holiday. I don't know why anybody is working the day after the Super Bowl because the game doesn't come on till 6.30. It's not over till 10 o'clock. Everybody's having Super Bowl parties. Nobody really wants to get up and go to work the day after. I'm just saying it should be holiday, just kind of like the day after Thanksgiving is, is considered a holiday. A lot of people ain't working. That's what the day after the Super Bowl needs to be. But I digress. The one thing that I will say about what Keith was trying to allude to when it comes to Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, that debate about who's number two in the NFC East, I look at the intangibles for the two quarterbacks, Amber, and I hear nothing but glowing things about Jalen Hurts from his teammates, from the organization, about his leadership style, his ability to galvanize his teammates and get everybody on the same page to help set the agenda for the team. We haven't heard that about Carson Wentz. We didn't hear it about him in Philly. As a matter of fact, we were hearing hearing people criticize Carson Wentz about his leadership style there, much in the same way we saw in Indianapolis. And I question whether or not he's going to be able to lead that group in the Washington Commanders locker room. Lest we not forget, this was a team that had two defensive linemen, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, fighting on the sidelines in a late-season game against the Dallas Cowboys. That's the group of men that he's going to be charged to come in and lead. I don't know that Carson Wentz is going to be able to have that ability. The argument here would be that Carson Wentz 
I've seen him play like an MVP, right? Given it was in 2017, Ooh, but I've seen it. I've never ago. seen it. That's fine, but I've never, ever seen it from Jalen Hurts, right? So that's the obvious argument. Even just taking their numbers last season, you could easily make the argument Carson Wentz was actually the better quarterback by the numbers last season. Now, I am not one to want to be involved in the conversation of, frankly, trying to put Carson Wentz high above Jalen Hurts because I've always been very high on Jalen Hurts. And I'm having a hard time today because I think I keep finding myself in the position where I'm out here defending Carson Wentz. I feel a bit like Dan Orlovsky today, frankly, and I don't know how I walked into uh, this role here, Chris Canty, but Carson Wentz is definitely not at the top of my list in terms of quarterbacks. It's just that I think people are a little unreasonably down on Carson Wentz at the same time you could make the argument again by the numbers that people unreasonably high on Jalen Hurts and maybe it's what you said maybe it's likability factor how they're received inside the locker room I don't know how you quantify any of that I would imagine Carson Wentz was received much better in 2017 when things were going well for him right it's been pretty tumultuous was he or when Nick Foles stepped in and and won the Super Bowl for him well, I mean, the, right, he, and there's an, obviously he? injuries in, in Carson Wentz's career. His, okay. his, right. his career is one that's very, very difficult thus far to fully quantify without the availability of hindsight looking at the entire thing. I don't know where this is going to go yeah. in Washington with Carson Wentz. I know potentially, again, where the upside is with him. It's higher than what we've ever gotten to see from Jalen Hurts. So I, I think right there you're kind of splitting hairs, though, amongst those two guys. Like, Dak is at the top of that division, and... No one's arguing otherwise. Below him, it gets confusing. And again, we'll talk about your Giants here in a second. Scott in Virginia, though, you've been waiting on hold for a long time. Let's talk about this Carson Wentz trade, Scott. Scott, who wins this one? I think it's in between. There is no winner and there's no loser in this trade. You have Washington looking at the what if that Wentz has had since he was drafted. They've also been a victim to Wentz when he was with Philly. I'm just – Wentz doesn't have the the fearless like he had that so-called MVP year he had. Thanks, Scott, for the call. Yeah, Chris, it's funny because I feel like these callers keep coming back to the mentality, though, of a Carson Wentz, where he just Mm. doesn't have that same killer instinct that he had in 2017. Like, that seems to be the knock against him rather than the physical components of Carson Wentz. Yeah, I don't think anybody's questioning the physical ability. The upside has always been there, but him realizing that potential and being consistent, that's a different story. The problem with Carson Wentz is not, you know, his ability to have high-end production. It's about what what he has in those valleys, those low points. And we've seen him, whether it's the Tennessee Titans game where he throws the interception at the end of the game to Kevin Byard to seal the Colts' fate, or it's the fumbles, the turnovers at in the Jacksonville game where he has a 4.3 QBR. I mean, you can run down the list of, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, which was an atrocious game. Wentz had three turnovers and what seemed to be a very winnable game for the Colts. I mean, you can run down the list of all the different instances where Carson Wentz, a guy that's playing quarterback, should be the difference in the outcome of that game, ultimately ended up hurting your team. Against the Las Vegas Raiders, playing against Derek Carr when they're in their own building in Lucas Oil. you got to find a way to be able to win that game. And you and you lost. I just don't understand why we keep coming up with excuses as to why Carson Wentz 
can't perform when the lights are at the brightest and when his team needs him the most. Now, we can keep going back to 2017. You can even go back to 2019 where he went on that run and he dragged the Eagles into the playoffs. That's all well and good. But it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And lately, Carson Wentz has not looked like that dude. Frank Wright gave up on him this past year after the Colts invested a first and a third-round pick in him to get him from Philly. And then the year prior in Philly, he led the league in turnovers. So, I mean, that that's what Carson – that's the Carson Wentz that I know that's walking into D.C., which is why I'm not bullish on the move for the Commanders. He did finish the season 27-7. and seven. I know I keep going back to that. Oh, I know my, I okay, sound okay, like Dan okay, Orlovsky. Okay, he also was a Jacksonville Jaguars 29 total again. touchdowns to 12 turnovers. J- Jalen Hurts had 26 total touchdowns to 11 turnovers. So they're he, both right there. I, he, I just I, – I don't, I don't see the – the the, the 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 difference in terms of a guy being able to elevate the play of everybody around him and get your team to the playoffs. Well, One guy, Jalen Hurts, got his team to the playoffs. Carson Wentz didn't. And right. I can well, say that was- Jalen Hurts did that arguably with a worse roster. He's a, he was a Jags win away from getting that done. And frankly, I think maybe if he had won that game, we wouldn't even be having this conversation about Carson Wentz being a Washington commander today. We're going to get to the biggest winners and losers from all of this NFL drama that's gone down over the last 24 hours. But first, Chris Canty, tell us about Indeed. If your hiring needs are heating up, you don't have to do it all yourself. If you need to hire, you need Indeed, the all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates. With tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Invite them to apply, and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, Visit Indeed.com slash credit. More ESPN Radio after this. ESPN Radio. The Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks have agreed to a trade that will send Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos in exchange for a package of picks and players that will be one of the largest in NFL history. We knew Russell was a little dissatisfied last year with what was going on in Seattle. Russell Wilson gets a fresh start in Denver. The Seattle Seahawks get all these picks and players to start to rebuild. Denver, not a lot of luck drafting and developing quarterbacks, but they bring in some veterans from time to time and make runs. So Carson Wentz is a Washington commander. Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco. And Aaron Rodgers is, you know, a Green Bay Packer. Those are the, that's the beginning so far of the offseason quarterback carousel moves. So we want to know just 24 hours removed from, of course, the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers headlines. Who are the winners coming out of what happened yesterday? For that, we're going to bring in our producer, Shannon. Shannon, what's up? All right, we'll uh, start here. I'll give you a team, a player, and you got to tell me whether or not they're winners and losers after everything that happened yesterday. Chris, we'll start with you. The Pittsburgh Steelers, are they winners or losers? Oh, they're losers, Shannon. I don't know how you could think that they would be winners. They're trying to figure out who's going to succeed Big Ben, who's going to be a Hall of Famer the moment he's eligible. And right now, the guy that they, the guys that they have on the roster aren't good enough. They don't trust Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins to be QB1 going into a season where they've got a championship-caliber defense and they've got the skill position weapons to suggest that they should be, once again, a playoff team. So... Yeah, I got to call them the big losers because they were certainly in the market for Russell Wilson. 
and for Aaron Rodgers, and they struck out on both of those guys. So it would be interesting to see where they pivot. But for right now, we got to call them losers when it comes to the quarterback market. We can chastise the Patriots for having a backup plan to Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo when they clearly didn't need one. Or the Packers doing that same thing with Jordan Love when they clearly didn't need a backup plan to Aaron Rodgers. The Pittsburgh Steelers needed a backup plan to Big Ben. He did not age the same way as those other two quarterbacks that I just mentioned. So I don't understand why they didn't have a better backup plan in place. We all saw the decline over the last couple of years. From Big Ben, you knew at some point here the writing was going to be on the wall. It just felt like even for a 39-year-old Big Ben that they just had no real good backup plan here. And if they were ever in a position where they thought maybe they had a chance at Aaron Rodgers, we know that they never really had a good chance at Aaron Rodgers. So bad on them. They're definitely big losers in this whole situation. All right, Amber, it's interesting that you brought up Jimmy Garoppolo. So let me ask you, everything after everything that happened yesterday with the Russell Wilson trade and Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay, Jimmy Garoppolo, Amber, is he a winner or is he a loser? I'd say he's a big winner right now because everybody keeps putting Jimmy Garoppolo at the top of their list of quarterbacks that we believe are available. And so I think Jimmy Garoppolo right now looks like a bit of a savior. Obviously, also Aaron Rodgers is, you know, resetting the whole quarterback market with that contract and everything else that happens. But with Aaron Rodgers making his decision to stay put, there was a bunch of other dominoes we knew that were going to fall after that. We've already seen a lot of those pieces that fall as these jobs continue to fill now the job with the Broncos, the job with the Commanders. It's just making Jimmy Garoppolo that much more coveted in the quarterback spectrum. So I'd say he's a big winner, really, out of yesterday, Chris. Yeah, cosign, retweet everything you just – let me try that again. Cosign, retweet everything that you just said, Amber, when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the big winner in all of this, and people thought that folks around the NFL would be down on Garoppolo because he is having surgery on his throwing shoulder and that he's going to miss a significant chunk of the offseason in terms of getting his body ready in order to go next season. But that doesn't stop teams that have a need at the quarterback position, especially veteran-led teams that expect that they're going to compete at a high level in 2022. Jimmy Garoppolo could be the stopgap guy that they're looking for, the guy that's capable of being a passenger on the way to a team getting to the conference championship like we've seen him do with the 49ers two of the past three seasons. So, Definitely Jimmy Garoppolo, a big winner after yesterday's quarterback decisions with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. We're picking the biggest winners and losers in the aftermath of the Russell Wilson trade and Aaron Rodgers staying put in Green Bay. Shannon, what you got for us next? All right, Chris, here we go. They made a big trade today, but I'll ask you anyway. Washington Commanders, are they big winners or losers after what happened with Russ and Aaron Rodgers yesterday? Oh, yeah, we got to serve them up one of them hot, fresh L's, Shannon. I mean, straight out of the oven. This is an L. You didn't learn from what Frank Ballard and Chris – I mean, Frank Ballard, I'm putting the two together. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard just did. They sent a one and a three to the Philadelphia Eagles, and Philadelphia today is laughing at them because a year later they're shipping Carson Wentz to the Commanders with apparently no plan as to what they're going to do at the quarterback position. They'd rather go behind what's behind door number two than to deal with what they got right now in Carson Wentz, and that speaks volumes because if Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator in Carson Wentz's best season in Philadelphia in 2017, the head coach for the Colts in 2021, if this guy is throwing in the towel on Carson Wentz, that speaks volumes about what he expects Carson Wentz to be moving forward. So I got to say the Washington Commanders, they're losing in this deal. They might feel great now that they have a viable option at the quarterback spot, but 
I, I don't know if that's going to net them the results they're looking for. I do think Carson Wentz is an upgrade. Uh, that's not saying much. It's an upgrade for them at the quarterback position. At least they have a guy in place for this season because we had no idea where they were going to go after what happened yesterday. I never really thought, frankly, they were in the running for Russell Wilson or for Aaron Rodgers, of course. I never really bought into that whole idea that Wilson would have ended up in Washington. So I don't know if yesterday, frankly, had any effect on the commanders. I would say the trade today was a bit of an upgrade. They certainly didn't have to give up the same stock the Colts had to give up in order to get Wentz, but I wouldn't be as excited really either if I was a Commanders fan. I'd kind of be like, ah, all right, maybe this is going to serve better for us. Maybe we'll make the playoffs. All right, last and certainly not least, looking at everything that happened yesterday with Russell Wilson being traded to Denver and Aaron Rodgers re-signing with Green Bay. Is Jordan Love a big winner or loser after what happened yesterday, Amber? What you got? He's both. I think I could put him in both winner and loser categories, Chris, because Jordan Love definitely, I would say, a loser ultimately having to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for longer, right? You'd rather be the starting quarterback in Green Bay if, in fact, Aaron Rodgers had left, so initially a loser, but then also a winner because I think you become a coveted piece around the league, and you and I keep talking about this conspiracy theory that we have, so to speak, where we think maybe this whole Colts move comes after Aaron Rodgers decides to stay because maybe Ballard has something else in the works there where he wants to get a Jordan Love. You flip a third, you get Jordan Love in return, who was at one point a first rounder who maybe you were interested in in that draft, according to a lot of the rumors that were out there. And so maybe Jordan Love ends up being a winner in this for the same reason that Jimmy G is a winner. Everybody wants to be wanted and Jordan Love is going to be a quarterback at 23 years old because of where people had him initially on their draft boards. And because this draft is not a very strong one in terms of that position where he is going to be wanted around the league. Yeah, Jordan Love is going to be a winner. I don't think there's a downside to this. With Aaron Rodgers being locked in for the foreseeable future, he's going to have an opportunity to be a starting quarterback sooner rather than later. So, for me, looking at the Green Bay side of this, it doesn't make sense for them to hang on to Jordan Love because the proposed extension that's on the table for Aaron Rodgers is for four years. And so that would eat up Jordan Love's entire rookie contract. It doesn't make sense for them to keep him on their books when they can flip Jordan Love for an asset that can help Aaron Rodgers compete for a championship and enhance his legacy. So one way or other, Aaron, uh, Jordan Love is going to be out of there. I, I just think that that's, that's going to happen, and it's going to be good for Jordan Love because he's going to have an opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League sooner rather than later. Coming up, what does the Giants, what are the Giants making a run at Mitch Trubisky say about how that front office views Daniel Jones? Chris Canty can't run from this information any longer. We nail him down. That is next on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. Our producer Shannon keeps us up to date and all things viral. Shannon, what do you have for us today? All right, so there was a viral video going around over the course of the weekend about this group of ladies who were upset because they had to split the check and and some people didn't want to pick up the tab or what have you, and they actually walked out and got into a fight, whatever the case may be. But I wanted to ask you, and I'll start with you, Chris. Typically, when you're in a group setting and you go to the restaurant, how do you go about splitting the check? It depends on the group that I'm with, Shannon. If I'm going out with the lady and we're doing brunch with the couples, then it's a situation where one person will pull out their credit card because they want the points, pay for the entirety of the bill, and then the couples just Venmo that individual what they're responsible for when it comes to the cost of the meal. But if I'm going out with my boys and we're all hanging out, 
then we're putting the credit cards in the hat. It's credit card roulette, and whoever's credit card gets pulled is the one that's paying for the entire thing. And if it just so happens the next time we go out and we play credit card roulette and your card gets pulled, then guess what? You got to pay for it anyway. That's just how we getting down when it's in when it's just the fellas. But that sounds terrifying, by the way. I, it's so it, bad. It I hope I hope the fellas it all played terrifying. in the NFL because that is but terrifying. But that's why we call it credit card roulette. That's the whole point of it. But when we're doing a couples thing, usually one person pulls out their credit card because they want the points. They pay for it, and then we just Venmo or Zell that individual what we're responsible for on the bill. I don't think I've ever played credit card roulette. I don't know what that says about the people I hang out with and the people Chris Canty hangs out with, but I don't think that I've ever played that game. I do have girlfriends that I go out with where, like, I'll pick up the tab one time and then she'll pick up the tab the next. I have, like, really, really good friends like that, so we're not tallying up every individual thing or even the cost of every meal, but you have to be real close to a person in order to be in that situation. Otherwise, I feel like the cleanest way to split a bill is to do it per item because if you just go all in and then you split skis based on, you know, there's 10 of us at the table, we split it 10 ways, but then you come down to we the got whole got, problem. Amber. We got God. The reason I, I'm bringing well, this up, we, me and my wife got God a couple years ago. I didn't know if you wanted this ago. on the air. I we didn't got know if got. you wanted this on national radio, but Shannon and his wife got got because they had a salad once and everybody else is downing bottles of wine right. and $80 later, that's what a right. salad like, yeah, let's, let's Let's split this evenly. Oh, we, my wife had a salad and a drink. I had a steak and a drink. We out here paying 80 plus before the tip. We got got, y'all. It's so, so no, rough. we're not splitting nothing evenly anymore. Shannon, you need better friends, bro. Let me tell you, let me tell you to you like this. You need better friends. If they let you pay for that, then that just tells you who they are. That speaks to their character. They're bad friends. Ba- point, bad point, friends. Period. But maybe not the kind of better friends that end up playing credit card roulette. Don't that also you start seems... that, Amber Wilson. Don't you disparage my crew. We're better than that. Credit card roulette is a great game. ESPN Radio. Chris Canty has just been vying all show long to talk about the New York Giants and their quarterback position. It is his favorite subject, particularly Daniel Jones. He feels great about the future of his New York Giants. So let's hop right into things here because ESPN NFL Nation reporter, of course, for the New York Giants, Jordan Renan, he is reporting that the Giants are expected to make a run at Mitchell Trubisky per his sources. Apparently there's, of course, several factors that may go into it and Trubisky's going to have several suitors out here in this quarterback market. But reportedly, the Giants extremely interested in Trubisky. He is at the top of their list. Your reaction, Chris Canty? Yeah, I think it makes sense for the New York Giants to bring in Mitch Trubisky. It's somebody that Joe Shane, their new general manager, and Brian Dayball, their new head coach, is familiar with because they brought him in to be the backup quarterback to Josh Allen last year. And Mitch Trubisky can go a long ways into helping those guys on the offensive side of the ball understand the scheme that Brian Dayball wants to employ because you got to assume they're going to implement a new offense. So Mitch Trubisky can help all of those guys with that new learning and he can help Daniel Jones with that as well. And then he can also serve as a standard or a bar to clear for Daniel Jones while the Giants try to figure out whether the guy that they took with the sixth overall pick once upon a time can be their future franchise quarterback. You bring in a veteran presence, somebody that can compete with them throughout the offseason on into training camp, and if Daniel Jones wins the job outright, then that's great. But if he loses to Mitch Trubisky, you have your answer as to whether or not Daniel Jones is the guy. But this move also signals another decision that the Giants had to make this offseason, Amber, which is trying to decide whether or not the Giants 
are going to exercise Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. I got to think if they're going to sign Mitch Trubisky in free agency, they are going to decline Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, and this will be a true contract season for the sixth overall pick back in 2019. Yeah, they're definitely not picking up that fifth-year option. I feel like that's clear by these reports. And we're going to have, we're expected to have on Jordan Renan later in the show at 5.30 to talk about this very subject, so stay tuned for that. But I I would imagine that they're not picking up his fifth-year option. What strikes me about that, then, is if you're trading Daniel Jones for anything, unless you're just letting him walk in a year, but if you're trading him and you want to get anything in return, which... I understand you're not going to get a ton, but I guess something's better than nothing. Then you're going to need to do that essentially now. And so how long are you going to let Mitchell Trubisky, if you bring him in, and Daniel Jones battle it out before you decide that Trubisky has won the job? And so that's what struck me as as this being a bit of an odd move. When I first heard the news that they were interested in Trubisky, I said, all right, well, then they're out on Daniel Jones. They're donezo. And then I read, and Jordan Renan in part was reporting this, that no, they're expecting to compete for the job. But Renan, I believe he says in it, on the .com in his article that they're going to compete for the summer for their job. And so I wonder with the wording then if it means that, hey, in training camp they're going to be competing and then we'd see an evaluation that type of quick, Chris, where then they trade away Daniel Jones at that point. I just don't know. Is that enough time to really evaluate these two quarterbacks and pit them against each other? If your idea is to really put some sort of fire under Daniel Jones in order to get some sort of better play out of him because of Mitchell Trubisky's presence, I don't frankly know if there's enough enough time for that unless you're prepared to let Daniel Jones walk in a year. Well, let's be clear about this. Daniel Jones goes into this quarterback battle with a leg up because John Mara spoke about how they've tried to screw this kid up every which way. He's had a bunch of different offensive coordinators. He's had a bunch of different head coaches. And so it's now a matter of trying to see what he can do with the proper infrastructure around him. But they're going to give him every opportunity to win this job. Mitch Trubisky would have to set the world on fire in order to be QB1 week one of the regular season. I just don't envision that happening, but Mitch Trubisky is also insurance because Daniel Jones hasn't been able to stay healthy in any of the three seasons that he's been the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. He's missed time in all three of his first seasons, first three seasons. So it's a situation where it makes sense to have a capable backup in case Daniel Jones goes down, but then also have somebody that can push Daniel Jones. But overall, I think this is this is signaling an important shift in the organization's philosophy where they're not making decisions in order to support Daniel Jones. They're not making decisions in order to support some of the poor decisions made by prior regimes. They're trying to do what's in the best interest of moving the program forward. And obviously, you got to make a determination on who your quarterback is going to be And this competition is going to help them clear up that picture. But it also shows that they're willing to move off of some of the other guys that we thought were going to be cornerstone pieces, building block pieces. You heard the rumors about them potentially exploring a trade for Saquon Barkley. We'll see where that goes later on this offseason. But it lets me know that they're not married to anybody that's on this roster right now. And for a team that is tied with the New York Jets for the worst record since the start of the 2017 season, that's exactly where new general manager Joe Shane should be when it comes to roster construction. He's Chris Canty. He won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. I remember Wilson. I did not. You're listening to ESPN Radio. So Mitchell Trubisky, obviously the second pick in 2017. The thing is here that could be a problem then for your Giants, Chris, is that there's actually going to be 
quite a big market, I think, for Mitchell Trubisky in, in terms of this offseason. And if you're Trubisky, do you want to go to the Giants and sit behind Daniel Jones? If you're right, and they're committed to actually trying to make this a quarterback competition between those two, and it's not at all a given that Trubisky is going to be your starter. If I'm Trubisky, I'm looking at that situation at 27 years old, and then I'm also looking at, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers and thinking, hey, could probably start there right away, or the New Orleans Saints, and I'm thinking, hey, maybe I could probably start there right away, and there's some other teams around here where you might have a better opportunity to immediately start. And so from the Mitchell Trubisky perspective, I think there might be landing spots that end up looking a lot more attractive than the New York Giants. There might be landing spots that are more lucrative, but I don't know that anybody's going to commit to Mitchell Trubisky long-term. We're not talking about a five-year deal here, Amber. I think you're talking about a two- to three-year deal at best with Trubisky, similar to what we saw with Teddy Bridgewater when he signed with the Carolina Panthers, something along those lines, a team deciding to bring him in and see what he's got. And if he performs, then you know he's going to get a contract extension. But if you're Trubisky, it does make sense to roll with Brian Dayball and with Joe Shane just because those individuals were responsible for bringing you into the Buffalo Bills organization. And now you're going to have a leg up on Daniel Jones in terms of understanding the offense, knowing the language that's in the offense, and then helping others to to understand exactly what Brian Dable is trying to get done. So I think from that perspective, there is a built-in advantage for Mitch Trubisky in terms of being able to set himself up to have success, set himself up to win that job, but then also to set himself up to show well when it comes to his potential and seeing about other jobs around the National Football League if, in fact, he has to go somewhere else to be a starter. Well, the Giants are cap-strapped, and they absolutely need some help. Mike Lennon was not the answer at backup last season. They do need help, at least at the backup position, if not a starting quarterback here, if they end up moving on from Daniel Jones. Coming up, Carson Wentz, this is apologist. Dan Orlovsky, his biggest fan, shares his thoughts next.